0: Starbound Studios, starring Maggie Martinez, and a hot seat interview. Y ahora con ustedes, Maggie Martinez in caliente. caliente. And now Maggie Martinez.
1: Here it is William Harris. He's running for House of Representative District 74, the series of uh, and county that includes Peachtree City, also includes uh, Brooks, Griffin. Fayetteville and Hampton. So the people here, you know, I am in Hampton. So first of all, Harris, I would like to talk about inflation. A lot of people out there, a lot of politicians are talking, but believe me, they don't know what they're talking about. That's so correct. please, you have a bachelor's degree in finance? or
0: well, business administration, Bus- yes. Yes. Um, but I love studying about economics in general, so it's a lot of fun.
1: So tell us in a nutshell, in simple words, what is really inflation?
0: Okay. Uh, so in simple words, all inflation really is, is how much does something cost now compared to how much did it cost before? And so usually whenever we talk about inflation, we're usually kind of there are a lot of different things that go into to play with with inflation. Um, How much we're paying people plays a part, but our wages have really stagnated over the past 30, 40 years. Um, uh, how much corporations um, are charging plays a part into to inflation. And we're at 50-year corporate um, uh, profit highs, uh, how much money we incorporate and uh, and stuff like that. And so, yeah, there's a lot of different things for inflation, but ultimately it's just how now, much is something cost. Now, it is
1: that? important that people know that the pandemic had, uh, I will say, spearheaded more our inflation, even though inflation is always there. A little bit of inflation is good, A lot of inflation is not good, Mm -hmm. and good and services got affected. What can you tell us about that and and give another example so people understand?
0: So uh, a lot of inflation, a lot of economists actually believe that uh, a lot of inflation is now responsible due to the international market. And so whenever COVID hit, uh, other countries were much more responsible with their uh, responses to COVID. And so it kind of caused a lot of jet lag with our supply chain issues. And so whenever we started experiencing jet lag issues with that, it's whenever we started to see um, corporations start to take advantage of it to increase the profit margins. Because it's difficult for us to talk about 40-year inflation highs uh, without talking about how these corporations have 50-year record profit highs.
1: That's right. It's it's incredible. Um, I'll give you an example uh, from my part. What inflation is, it's good and service, but what happened? People have the money. But the products are not there because of the shortage. That will be another example. It, it happened with baby formula. It happened with medications that are expensive. And that's a, a good example to use uh, what inflation is. People have the money, mm-hmm. but the goods are not there to be buy. And also, yeah. people are talking about gasoline rates uh, and in they don't understand that the supply is not there, and that's why it goes up. And when we right. say supply is the gasoline station and the companies and everything related to the OPEC on the other side of the world yes. <laughs> and and so forth. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Uh, well, you know, the United States is actually the number one producer of oil in the world. And so whenever we talk about this drill, 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 it's not going to actually accomplish anything within the United States. Um the Biden administration has actually released a ton of oil leases to corporations. They're just not taking advantage of it. So I don't necessarily think it's fair to, you know, to come through and say things like, Oh, well, the Biden administration is responsible for gas prices and they just need to drill more because you're absolutely right. It is an international issue. Um, Russia happens to be the second largest producer of oil in the nation. Uh, and their oil is more suitable for gasoline. Um, same with like Saudi Arabia, Iran, etc. Um, and so whenever we're talking about why is gasoline going up again, look around the world, look at all the events that are going around. In the yeah, world.
1: but Putin is exacerbating this situation. Yes, he is. And mm-hmm. he knows it because he decided to hit Ukrainian and he wants the country and he thought it was going to be easy. And have you seen lately, He's just trying to push the young people to go and fight. And mm-hmm. it's a lot going on with that. But in reality, Putin has exacerbated the inflation that we are suffering right now. And what thing people don't understand yet is that inflation is not just in the United States. Right. Inflation is around the world. Mm-hmm. And we're not alone in this uh, world. We depend. They depend on us for many goods and services. That's why we have so many uh, relationships with other countries, um, just to name few. But it is important that people understand that this is not an issue just in the United States. Right. It's going to get better. Yes. How uh, this is going to happen? Putting what? Interest up. So what can you tell me about that?
0: Oh, well, yeah. So so we can put interest up. Uh, I'm not necessarily a big fan of putting up interest rates, though, um, especially because the central bank and the Federal Reserve uh, actually has explicitly said that they're putting up interest rates. Uh, to the detriment of worker wages, and so I think it's important that we look at how other countries have responded to their corporations, um, whenever or to their inflations, and what they started passing were windfall um, issues for their corporations, where they disallowed corporations to price gouge their citizens. Um, so whenever we talk about Interest rate increases. Um, the Fed has actually explicitly said that it's to the detriment of the worker. It's to lower our wages. They say
1: it, but in a sense, what they're trying to do is to desaccelerate the economy. Yes. In a sense. Yes. And you might be saying out there, but it doesn't make any sense. How <laughs> can you explain yes. that?
0: It's a very complicated issue. And, and again, like I, I do come at this from like, I, like I got a degree in this as well. So I, I am very technical with it. So yes, the federal reserve is, the, they are doing their best to, uh, to slow down uh, the the acceleration of the inflation rate. Mm-hmm, that's right. Uh, which is which is really important. Um, but yeah, no, there are definitely other things that that our uh, governments can be doing um, to assist in
1: Well, we have a problem, William. You're yes. young, yes. and the young people, based on percentage, very low. Mm-hmm. They're not going out to vote. Yes. What can you say about this, and how can you talk about those? the young
0: generation, the millennials, to go out and go. Uh, So I am a millennial myself. I'm uh, 34 years old. And so I understand this. Um, in a lot of ways, millennials are on record for being the most economically disadvantaged generation in United States history uh, since Sell they started recording. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're talking about a generation that largely can't afford their own houses. They're stuck in minimum wage jobs. They're stuck in these low wage jobs. We're talking about a generation that um,
1: cannot buy houses. Yeah, they
0: can't buy houses. And we're talking student debt. Yeah, student debt. Whenever our parents at the same median age, they were making four times as much money that four times as much wealth. Um, And so in a lot of ways, our our generation and even younger millennials and Zoomers see a system that kind of stopped working for them as well as our parents did. And so we see a lot of, uh, well, why should I go? vote? And a lot of times we see people even, you know, older than our, gener- our our parents' generations who are still running and managing our country. And a lot of that really boils down to us as millennials. And millennials, I'm pleased, I'm speaking to you. We are the largest voting block in this country. We have the most amount of political power in this country. And if we're going to start to take proper stewardship of our country, it's important that we go out to vote. Um... You know, I think it's important that we start to field candidates that millennials want to go vote for. Um, I make my platform very um, millennial based. It's working class based. Um, and that's really important to me. But I think that if we start to give millennials a reason to come out and vote, they're going to start to come out and vote more. No,
1: well, uh, the, the, the future is not looking good in, in, in terms of everything. Uh, uh, millennials know that they try to rent some apartments and they cannot afford it. It's much cheaper, I guess, to buy one. But now the interest went up. So it's like a circle that we don't get out of it and that's not good. But talking about that, you are a proponent of minimum wage to go up to $15. Unfortunately, in Georgia, per hour is 7.45, 7.55, uh, 7.25, 7, 20, 725. And, and local is 5.15. So yes. can you explain the difference of that and how can we do something about it?
0: Um, so um, purely from a very technical standpoint, the federal minimum wage takes precedence over the state minimum wage. The state minimum wage is $5.15 an hour which um, is technically legal to pay employees in the state of Georgia, as long as they're not engaged in interstate commerce or if they engage more than a certain number of employees. Um, We're talking about a wage that was set probably, what, two decades ago, 2009.
1: Two decades ago. Yes. And so
0: uh, I remember whenever I was in college, uh, Occupy was a big movement uh, around this time, 2008. where We were fighting for $15 an hour then. And honestly, if uh, if wages kept up, uh, so minimum wage has not increased really since 1968. It was the highest in 1968 uh, whenever it was equivalent to about $12 an hour in for modern purchasing power, if minimum wage actually kept up with the growth of the economy at that point, our minimum wage would be, be around $22 to $25 an hour right now. And so... We're seeing this dynamic to where the economy is growing at this huge rate, but our wages are remaining stagnant. Um, And it's time that we start to change that. And the easiest way to do that is by legislating uh, wage increase.
1: And the problem is the people that retire now they have a problem because uh, what you are receiving uh, in retirement from government or as a teacher or whatever, it's not enough because, you know, Social Security had to make a change, mm-hmm. which is not good either. So who's going to wait until 70 years old to get retired? That's impossible. Yes. I, I retired <laughs> when I was 60 and I'm passionate to what I do now. And not, I don't want to go back to work. And But the reality is that, yes, we have to go back and work. That's not good.
0: Well, you know, everyone is, is working for the most part. George is at the lowest unemployment rates uh, pre-COVID levels and everything like that. Um, and so we're actually kind of at a, a pretty good labor force right now.
1: What do you think about legalizing marijuana in the state of Georgia?
0: Uh, I believe that we need to treat it exactly like the drug of alcohol to where we need to allow for the legal recreational use for it, for uh, consenting adults over the age of 21, just like alcohol. Um, and it's important that, um, we treat it and, you know, legislatively and within our communities, we treat it exactly like alcohol. Um, we have, um, you know, alcoholic stores within our communities and stuff like that. And so we can easily add dispensaries. It's easier to keep it out of the hands of children whenever it's legalized. Um, and it's important that we also expunge nonviolent criminal records yeah, from drug related. Working. And then we also need to reinvest back into the very communities that the, the war on drugs um, devastated. Um, In the state of Georgia, if you're a black man, you're three times more likely to go to jail for the consumption of marijuana if uh, just because you don't look like me. Um, And it's unacceptable. Um, It's it's unacceptable. It's a racially motivated law. Um, I do believe, speaking of going back to millennials, that this is something that's motivating because the majority of millennials prefer the consumption of marijuana over the consumption of alcohol. It's only a matter of time until we start to do it. And might as well do it now. We're overcrowding our prisons. We're wasting our taxpayer money on it. And it's just a giant waste of our resources that we could be investing in back into our communities and schools.
1: That's right. In terms of um, income, if we le- legalize marijuana, which also is called cannabis, right? Uh, how many billions of dollars will uh, Georgia make out of these sales?
0: So it's difficult to say because every state is different, but um, Colorado was one of the first states to legalize. And if we follow their economic demographics and whatnot, uh, we can expect probably close to $2 billion of additional revenue coming into our state coffers every year. Um, This is $2 billion that we're going to be able to reinvest into our communities, into our crumbling infrastructure, uh, into general goodwill for people. We could be taking care of people with this additional revenue.
1: Excellent, excellent. Now, you know Stacey Abrams' campaign, she's talking about Medicaid. Mm -hmm. Only 50,000 people in the state of Georgia have Medicaid. Isn't that incredible? And in order to get that, either you have to be, um, either because you are not able to work or because you are old enough to get it. But, The main thing is that you have to be under the level of poverty level. Mm -hmm. So that's not good Mm -hmm. because uh, some people, they need it and not necessarily they are in that level. But this is at the federal level that they have to change that. But in terms of Medicaid, what are your thoughts and what are you planning to do once you get elected? Um,
0: So I like to say that I represent the working class in more ways than one. And a big reason why is because I actually represent um, this issue that you're talking about about, or at least I did earlier in my life, to where I was making too much money to qualify for the Medicaid expansion through the healthcare exchange, Um, but I didn't make enough to actually qualify for subsidized healthcare. And so for that moment, I just went uninsured. Uh, It was, it it did not make any financial sense for me to do this. And so I've lived this experience. Um, At the end of the day, we're looking at a country, our country as a whole, uh, where we spend more uh, on healthcare per capita than any other developed country in the world, and our life expectancy is the worst. The United States is actually dropping out of the 50 um, top um, highest countries for life expectancy hmm. this year, um, and you know, and China is actually surpassing us in this regard as well. And so, it's interesting to me how we how we are in the most economically prosperous uh, era in human history. Uh, the United States economy is the strongest. Uh, economy in human history is the wealthiest, but we still have fellow neighbors who are going without healthcare, um, which is deadly. It kills people. Um, how many people um, are unable to see medical care um, just because they lack insurance, and so they opt to die because they're more interested in not passing on those debts to their children? It's almost barbaric in a way how we don't how we don't um, cover our, our neighbors. And so as a state representative in the general legislative, I'm going to fight for our neighbors. Um, we have the resources to sh- ensure that every Georgian is covered. And uh, it, it is absolutely astonishing to me that we are not covering our fellow neighbors. It's, it's almost immoral in my opinion.
1: It is immoral. Uh, uh, my opinion is that we are creating a society of dumb people because we cannot send them to college college is incredible, expensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, My son is a pilot for Delta Pilot. It costs us $159,000 to put him to Embry-Riddle Autonautical University. It costs us $90,000 to put Mark uh, to Atlanta Art Institute. Uh, It is incredible that when you see the kids graduating from high school, They're not able to go to college. They're not able to not even pay for a career. In your platform, I know you are a millionaire. You want to help young people. What are your thoughts in in terms of that?
0: Um, So a lot of this is going to boil down to what the federal government can and cannot do um, in terms of education reform. Um, But you're absolutely right. Uh, We need to invest more heavily into our education systems. In the state of Georgia, particularly within this position that I'm seeking to be elected, we can do things by uh, reducing the Hope Scholarship um, from its more strict GPA requirements uh, to allow more students uh, across the board um, to to attend college over the Hope Scholarship. Yes,
1: because right now it's 3.00 and not necessarily everybody reaches the GPA of 3.00.
0: Yeah, I believe, I thought it was higher because I believe it was 3.0 whenever I was in high school. I
1: think it's still around. there, still difficult for yeah. students because mm-hmm. a lot of students, you know, they're not necessarily have parents that follow up with their education in high school because they're, not because they don't want to, because they, they're they busy working, you know, <laughs> yes. and they're, they're, they're trying to make, make ends meet. But um, in reality, um Hope Scholarship, uh, the GPA index is too high in order to get it.
0: And the GPS isn't necessarily a good uh, indicator as if a student is a good student or not either. Um, we definitely find a lot of discrepancy whenever we look at socioeconomic conditions between schools and, and GPAs. And it's not necessarily that, uh, that students in poor schools are less intelligent. And it's not that they're worse at taking tests or they have a worse understanding of the uh, subject material. It's just that we're not investing into these schools uh, at the same level as we're investing into other ones. Uh, you know, honestly, more white schools. Um, I, I'm i a resident of Fayette County um, and we heavily invest in our schools. Uh, Fayette County, especially in the areas that I am, are predominantly white. Um, and, and you can definitely see this kind of thing. And whenever you start to see these higher investments into these school systems, you see those students get higher GPAs. And so whenever we... Make the Hope Scholarship more restrictive. What we're actually doing is that we're kicking out more of uh, uh, impoverished students.
1: That's right. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Which is something that we just need to address and fix. Which yes, we do. By- we really
1: need to change that. Right. No doubt right. right. about it. No doubt. The- it's with us right now. William Harris, he's running for House of Representative District Seventy Four. William, mm-hmm. tell those people out there why they should vote for you.
0: Uh, so my name is William Harris. I'm running for House District 74, which is covering uh, Fayette County, Spalding, and Hampton. I'm running 2020. We got 44% of the vote. We're running again this year. Uh, we're running every two years. I need you to vote for me because I am advocating for a platform for the average Georgian. I fight for you. I fight because I am a member of the working class. I'm not a political entrenched elite. I'm not a person who's really well off to do or anything like that. I represent you. My entire platform is based around making our lives better as Georgians, recognizing the resources that we have within our communities and better utilizing those resources to make everyone's lives better and rich. I hope that you vote for me because I'm fighting for you to increase our wages. I'm fighting for you to expand our healthcare and I'm fighting for you so that we can legalize cannabis so that we can start to end this racially motivated law that is mostly applied towards our black and brown communities.
1: Mm -hmm. You see, (laughs) he's here in the studio, and don't forget to vote for him. Uh, It's November 8th. Mm -hmm. Uh, Early voting starts October 17th. And what's the website where they could send some donations?
0: Uh, So my website is representativeofthepeople.com. And that's representativeofthepeople.com. I love my branding.
1: Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. (laughs) Say it again so people don't forget. It's
0: representativeofthepeople.com.
1: That's right. So you see William... Harris has a commitment for to increase the minimum wage. He has a commitment to approve and legalize marijuana in the state of Georgia, also known as cannabis. Uh, and he's committed uh, for the education and the well-being of the millennials and the population as well. So don't forget to visit his website. He's a young person, as you see. And, but let me tell you something that you don't know. The last census, your, your um, district changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it changed from being like a little cat. Now it looks like more like a you. So that means yes. uh, the probability of William Harris getting elected is huge. And I'm not inventing this. You could go to the last census, see how everything changed. Mm-hmm. But the way it is now right now, if you go out and vote, those that did not vote in the last two presidential elections, by the way, if you did not vote in the last two presidential elections, you are spurred out of the list. So <laughs> better, you better go and register again. Yes. Uh, but don't fight with the people over there say, oh, I'm not in the list. Well, because you did not vote in the last two presidential elections. So it's very important that you do that. Um, also, William Harris uh, left close by here. I'm in Hampton, so he's right there in Hampton, I guess. Where do you live now? Don't say that. No, I I live live in Fayetteville. I (laughs) live in Fayetteville. So he's close by. So don't forget to vote for him. This is Maggie Martinez, the Hot Seat Interview. Until next time.